Dr. Nichol wants to talk about the different levels of reality in man and the universe. There's a great amount of literature dealing with records of new experiences in consciousness that point to the existence of higher forms or levels of consciousness than we ordinarily know. And of course, the only people who would know about this are people who are already interested in this. And the people who are not interested in this, they're just going to go, oh, pshaw. That's not true. That's just more of that superstitious, metaphysical, mystical BS, which is fine. Well, on the psychological side, the idea of levels in man is a very old one. It's found in ancient teachings and appears in most medieval philosophical systems. Now, you know, the thing is, it's like the world is becoming like California, where anything that's 20 years old is too old. So when older teachings and things like that come up, they just go, oh, that's just fairy tales and superstition, and we've gotten way beyond that now. And I think that's great. That's a good place for them, way beyond that. The idea of scale, which is also an old one, is bound up with the idea of levels. Well, that makes sense. Scale and levels make sense. And this is why scale is not understood, because we abhor levels today. Everybody has to be equal. Nobody can be above anybody else or below anybody else, so there can't be any levels. That's part of communism, that whole philosophy system of everybody's got to be equal. Nobody can be above anybody else. And it doesn't work, but the world doesn't know that yet. At least they don't know it in all its forms. But since the time when the external world became the main object of study, it's been nearly lost sight of, which is true once we started turning outward and started to... We, somebody invented a microscope and found all those little things in the water, you know, all those little microbes and things in the water. And then somebody had the telescope and, well, vice versa, I think it went just the opposite, telescope first and then microscope. Once they started doing that, they started looking out and looking down. They looked out at the stars and they looked down into the miniature world. And that was it. They got lost in that. And that's when they lost sight of the psychological side, the levels in man. The senses show us apparently everything on the same scale, though of different sizes and at different distances. The eye can pass from a star to a human cell under the microscope without any particular difficulty. You notice you could look at a ladybug or whatever and then look up at the stars and you don't have any difficulty with that. It doesn't even dawn on you the, the huge difference in scale. It's just like, oh, there are the stars. Look at all that. And sometimes, if you have a moment of awareness, you say, oh, my God, that's just incredible. That's just incredible. And you're kind of gobsmacked by it. But that doesn't happen that often anymore, I don't think. Mainly because we can't see the stars anymore with all the lights from the cities and everything. Yet we are passing from one order of things to another, and they cannot be taken on the same scale. The quantitative approach to things doesn't give the sense of scale which is qualitative. Although the idea of scale exists in the numerical series for the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 are followed by the repetition of the same numbers on another scale, the strange symbol for nothing, zero, being used to indicate this. And you have to admit, zero is a strange symbol. I mean, how did the Arabs come up with that? And what happened to them? They used to be so smart. Music, philosophy, math, and now look at them. Now all they know how to do is terrorize, kill. Okay, not all of them, but geez, 
What happened? Where are all the great Arab scholars? Where are all the great Arab poets that used to populate olden times? It's like Rome. It's like every culture. It rises and it falls. And this one will too. The one we're in will too. It's already in the decline. It's already on a descending octave. Not only was scale in the mind conceived of in older thought, that is, different levels of consciousness, but the universe itself was regarded from the standpoint of scale. Higher and lower are in man and the universe. Sometimes these levels were spoken of as being discontinuous, that is, separated by nothing. Let's study briefly some of the earliest conceptions of the structure of the universe in conjunction with the conceptions about man. You look completely bored. <laughs> At the dawn of our civilization, Pythagoras taught that the universe is a harmony. The word had distinct meanings. The Pythagoreans connected it with the musical scale. Burnett points out that it had the meaning of octave. In the second place, harmony meant the tension of opposites held in balance. I think this is really incredible when you think about it. The harmonious structure of the world depends on opposite tension, like that of the bow or the guitar. Well, he says, lyre, and that was Herculetus, but I said guitar because I thought you might relate to that easier. Some thought that the universe could be represented by a scale of numbers. This was a definitely Pythagorean idea. Burnett believed that these numbers signified dimensions. That is, one meant a point, two, a line, three, a plane, etc. Which makes sense. The harmony of the world was called the soul of the world. Just as musical harmony depends on certain numerical proportions in the length of strings, the universe was thought to be constructed so that its various parts were in harmonic relationship. From this point of view, the universe is not haphazard, but an established order. We bucket this today, we kick at this today, because we don't want there to be an established order, because we're afraid that some higher being may have established the order, and we really don't like that, because we want to be the highest beings. Man wants to be God, and so he doesn't really want a God. For this reason, Pythagoras gave to it the name cosmos, a word which came to mean order. The soul of man was also regarded as a harmony. Plato speaks of the different elements in man as lying in a state of disorder, but being capable of reaching a harmony on the principle of scale, as in a musical chord, where the various notes on different levels are brought into a chord. And you can see why the fourth way would, why Dr. Nickel would be, would know about all these things, Pythagoras and Plato, because this is what Gurdjieff taught, that you are out of order that the universe is out of order because you're out of order, and that you need to be brought into harmony. All your different parts need to be brought into harmony. The problem is with us is we don't know what all the different parts are. It's like when I studied classic guitar, there are so many ways to play a C chord. There are so many notes that repeat on different octaves and different strings in different places, and it could really make you crazy. Guitar is a very difficult instrument to play well. It's a very easy instrument to play poorly, but it's a very difficult instrument to play well. And it's because, like on a piano, you've got 88 keys. There they are. But on a guitar, you've got six strings, and then you've got all these frets. 
and everything is different. Nothing is laid out. Well, it's very difficult to lay it out. You have 88 keys on a piano. It's very easy to see. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, bing, it repeats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, bing, it repeats. And then you've got the sharps and the flats in there. But a guitar, it's like, ah, it could really make you crazy. So I recommend you don't study it. Unless, of course, you want to be crazy. Oh, wait, you're already there. Never mind. The lowest and most irrational part of man touches the world of the senses. The highest approximates to the world of ideas and is beyond the level of logical reason. This is another thing. We worship logical reason today. We worship it. And intuition has fallen on hard times. Oh, well, you don't know anything. But intuition has fallen on hard times. Prophets have fallen on hard times. Plato describes these degrees in man as being comparable to four levels of mental development. In his theory of knowledge, they correspond to four forms of knowing. The lowest is little more than a simple consciousness of the images of objects. So there's a chair, there's a pillow, there's a cat. That's a cat, isn't it? Okay, and there's a table and like that. We're conscious of that, mainly because if we're not, then we walk around with bruises on our shins or we're tripping over things all the time. So we have to be conscious at some level. The lowest state, acacia, gives the most superficial view of the world and conveys the least knowledge. The mental state is nothing but a series of images and dreams. Shadows, images, and dreams are the most obvious types of unreality, and the contrast between them and realities is very striking to early thinkers, as it is to a mind which is just beginning to think. Nettleship said that. In the well-known analogy, Plato compares the ordinary mental state of man to that of a prisoner chained in a cave with his face to the wall, on which are thrown the shadows of real things outside the cave, of which latter he can begin to have no true idea unless he realizes his situation and turns himself round. For those of you who don't know the allegory, we'll talk about that a long time later. The allegory is given in full on page 222 of this book, and we're on page 60. So it'll be a while if you don't know the allegory already. I'm sure I've told you, but that doesn't mean you know it. This is the state of Acacia. E-I-K-A-S-I-A, -I -I and I don't speak Greek, so forgive me if you do. And it is characterized by continual uncertainty and vagueness, a living, as it were, in a dream world of shadows and fears, like most people on the planet right now. In this state of illusion, man is simply a dim reflex of the changing world and time, a procession of images caught by the senses. You're walking down the street, and the street lights are out, and all the shadows then become something to you. And you find yourself in fear, and you find yourself walking faster and looking over your shoulder and clutching your purse or whatever. We are mainly in this internal state of acacia for the major part of our lives. This is the state in which the soul lives at the bottom of the scale of reality within us. <laughs> for while the harmony or scale is sometimes called the soul itself, at other times the soul is spoken of as an energy that can be related to the higher or lower gradations in this scale. The next stage defined by Plato is that of pistis. In this state, we get to know, by experience, some of the tangible facts of life. We feel certain about some things and form definite opinions, or opinions are formed in us by imitation. 
I would say that that probably happens more often than not. You start to, when you're a kid, opinions are formed in you basically by your parents through contact with your parents or classmates or teachers like that. But we don't really start thinking for ourselves for quite a while. Well, some people do. Some people think for themselves. It's rare, but, but it happens that people who actually do progress or else we would be in very poor shape. These opinions may be quite contradictory if we come to examine them, but because each of them gives us a feeling of certainty, we do not investigate them deeply and don't want to do so. When you're certain about something, you don't want to examine it. It's sufficient that we have something to hold on to. This is the stage of pistis, or belief and opinion, and however naive it may be, it gives some feeling of certainty. And in a world like this, where everything is changing all the time, we love our feelings of certainty. It doesn't matter how wrong they are. <laughs> all the Democrats are certain that the Republicans are Satanists. All the Republicans are certain that the Democrats are godless heathens. And they're all certain about it. And it gives them that feeling of certainty that they like. It gives them a handle on life. So we find people in different countries with certain similar beliefs in the tangible things of existence and quite different beliefs about the nature of things in general. But they all have some feeling of certainty in common. And it's why we can be at loggerheads with Russia. They're certain about one thing and we're certain about something else and the values of life and we're just so, we're all so certain. While there may be truth in some of these beliefs, as mere belief, the inner perception of their truth is hindered. When you have a belief, you will never find the inner truth about it. Once you believe something, this is why Gurdjieff said, don't believe anything, verify everything. Because once you believe, your mind is closed. That's it. It's over. And if you don't believe me, talk to a born-again Christian. Sorry, born-again Christians. Well, I'm not sorry that you're born-again Christians. I'm sorry that I had to say that because you can be quite rigid and closed-minded. Both the above states of mind were classed by Plato as opinion, doxa. Belief and the perception of shadows are not the waking reality. They are not understanding. One may hold a correct opinion, but as long as it is an opinion, it is not the perception of truth, but only a kind of dream about it. That is, the mind hasn't been awakened. When people begin to examine their opinions and find contradictions in their various beliefs, they begin to search for principles or some unity underlying all of the variety that we see out there. Plato calls this stage of mental development dianoia. When we reason from hypothesis, as in geometry, we use this dionetic thinking, or when we try to find a law connecting together various perceived phenomena. These two examples are, of course, not similar. Scientific thought is dianoetic in that it endeavors to abstract from the mass of sensible things in order to establish simple laws that explain phenomena descriptively. And if it would stop there, it would be just fine. But when scientific thought gets into the realm of mysticism and religion, they really need to stop. Just like when mystics get into the realm of science, they really need to stop. Above this, he puts the highest level in man, nous, mind. We may perhaps be able to see dimly something of what was meant by this term if we could see all the relations and affinities that an object has. Okay, so we'll say this table. If we could see all of the relations and affinities that this table has simultaneously, 
instead of as a confused collection of separately noticed properties, which often seem to be contradictory, we would be on the noetic level of conscious experience. So you can see that it's more like objective consciousness. Well, maybe you can see that. Suppose that different men of science had set themselves to work to exhaust all the properties of an object, and that all these properties came to be understood. We should regard the object as the center in which a number of laws of nature, or what Plato would call forms, ideas, converged. Nettleship again. The separate sensible properties of the object would be merged into its total significance. It would be seen as an expression of the universe. Okay, let me give you an example. Right now, there's a cat on the floor, and that's it for most of us. We don't know anything, really, about the cat. I mean, we may know its name, we may know it's furry and what color it is, all those things, but we don't know them all simultaneously. And we don't know what the idea cat means. And we don't know our connection to it. We don't know our relation to it and our affinity to it and its affinity toward us. We don't know those things all simultaneously. We simply do not. Or else we could not mistreat animals the way we do. We don't know that about people, or else we could not mistreat people the way we do. As a matter of fact, we don't know that about the earth, or else we could not mistreat the earth the way we do. As a matter of fact, everything that we do shows just how ignorant we really are about everything that is important or that matters in any way. So that while nothing that our senses told us of it would be lost sight of or wrong. So he's saying... The separate sensible properties of the object would be merged into its total significance. So we would get the total significance of cat. But we don't. We can't even imagine the total significance of cat. And it's because we don't understand. So that while nothing that our senses told us of it would be lost sight of or wrong, it would be invested with a meaning that transcended all sensible perception and would become a manifestation of intelligible form or idea. There is an idea of cat, an ar archetypal idea of cat, feline. Feline, I should say. And then it includes all felines in the universe. And that's just too much for us. Well, why would I think about that? Why would I waste my time with something like that? It doesn't matter what you waste your time with. If it leads somewhere, it doesn't matter how insignificant where you start is. All that matters is, will it take you where you want to go? The problem with us is we don't know where we want to go. We just know we don't want to stay here. Sometimes. When we're having one of those moments, when we're having one of those moments when we realize that we need to change our level of being, then we know that we don't want to stay here. But the rest of the time, we're happy here. This is fine. Let's, let's just stay here. Let's not do anything. Let's, let's stay right here. It's like James, Peter, and John go up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses and Elijah appear up there with him, and they go, well, let's just stay here. Let's build shelters and stay here. This is a good place. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, it's back down in the demon-possessed valley for us. And with very few transfiguring moments, as a matter of fact. At this noetic level, the world would be experienced in a new way, as regards the interconnection, relation, meaning, and significance of everything that we perceive. You couldn't be an idiot at this level. You couldn't be an abuser at this level. You couldn't disregard anything at this level. For example, if you could get the meaning of water, you couldn't waste it. If you could get the meaning of anything, all the significance of it, the true significance of it, the total significance of it, 
You couldn't abuse it. Noetic experience can only be individually known. The world is never going to get this. It's something that only can happen with an individual. The sharing of knowledge by a number of people who know different sides of the same question could not possibly give noesis, as nettleship seems to imply. Since the noetic level of conscious experience in Plato's world of forms or ideas are closely related, we must look for a moment at the cosmological theory in which the latter appears. All visible creation is regarded as an imperfect copy of invisible ideas or forms which can only be apprehended by mind at its highest level, noes. Our senses reveal to us only copies. You're looking at this table. It is a copy. There are, well, there's one like this over at Jess's house. It is literally a copy. And that's a copy of a copy of a copy. And somewhere there is an idea for this kind of table. And that is changeless. But all these are going to fall apart or be thrown away or get lost or whatever happens to them. Because these copies exist in passing time. For everything visible, every sensible object exists in passing time. If you can see it, it exists in passing time, and that's why it's changing. The ideas are apart from time, but they're reflected into objects in time. So the idea of this table is apart from time. It is timeless. So the guy who thought it up may be dead now, but the idea is still just as alive as it was before he was. However, he apprehended the idea. He didn't create it. He got it. You get ideas. You don't make ideas. Have you ever noticed that? I have an idea. I got an idea. Well, we need to get some ideas about this. But nobody creates ideas. Well, go ahead. Create an idea. You can't create an idea. Man thus stands between a sensible world of copies and an intelligible, mentally perceptible, world of true forms of which these copies are representations. This cosmological theory contains three terms. One, that which becomes, which is the copy in time, the table. Two, that wherein it becomes. Three, the model on which that which becomes, the copy, is based. So the idea. We may compare the recipient with the mother, the model with the father, and that which arises between them with their child. Timaeus 50D, whatever that means. We're supposed to know this stuff, and we're dumb. People were smarter back in the 50s and in Great Britain, and certainly Dr. Nichol was. Visible creation in time or nature, therefore, does not exist of itself. It is not the cause of itself, but is an ever-changing copy of something which lies behind appearances. The recipient or mother is three-dimensional space, which must be empty of all properties in order to receive the impress of the model. The copy is in time. The model, the idea, is outside our space and time. So we would also say that's the Tao. The Tao is just this empty space. Since the copy is in time, it is always changing, always manifesting itself only partially. The full expression of itself lies in this first pattern or original model beyond our time. That is the idea. If, then, we ever reached the noetic level of experience our inward perception of the model would invest the outward copy with intense significance. So if we could get at the noetic level of experience, the table or the cat, our inward perception of the model, that would be the table or the cat, the idea of table cat, 
would invest the outward copy, that is the table of the cat or the cat, with intense significance. Our intuition of the model as direct cognition would be free from all properties of sense. Pure knowing. It would be knowledge apart from sense. But inasmuch as it met the sensible copy in outer space, it would exalt it into its total significance because its whole form would be internally perceived. Now, I don't know whether you're following this or not, but if you could get who a person was, if you could get it, the total significance of man, you could love your neighbor as yourself, and man's inhumanity to man would cease to exist for you. It would still be rampant on the planet, but it would cease to exist for you because you would get the total significance of man, your relation to all man, to all mankind, your relation, your affinity, the whole thing, your oneness, you would get the cosmological order of the whole thing. It would be pretty heavy if you could do that. But inasmuch as it met the sensible copy in outer space, it would exalt it into its total significance because the whole form would be internally perceived. You would internally perceive who man was, and then you could internally perceive at this noetic experience level, you could look at any human being and know what Jesus said, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And that is the noetic experience. Plato observes that at this level of conscious experience, the world presents itself as a scale or series of orders of existence, each connected with the one above it and the one below it. One form of preparation for the reaching of this state is indicated, the exercising of the power of seeing together the relationships that exist between the various branches of available knowledge. That is, progress in knowledge is progress in the perception of the unity of knowledge. If we imagine that a branch of knowledge can exist separately by itself, we're in error, for everything is connected in order of scale or harmony. Let's pass from Plato to one psychological aspect of the Christian doctrine. It's a necessary idea of religion that there is a higher state of man. In Christian terminology, man is hylic, psychic, and finally, pneumatic. This is surely not so much a question of types of men, but of levels in men. At the hylic level, or helic level, we have a purely sensual conception of nature as cause of itself, matter. At the psychic level, which I am unable to define, we have apparently all sorts of opinions and beliefs about life, right or wrong, that are imagination. It was the awakening of the pneumatic, or spiritual. Get it? Pneumatic, you know it all, the air, air, spirit, air. So that's where this all came from. So I'm just trying to plug you into the words so that you can connect them a little bit easier. You know, that's what this is about. This is about connecting the dots. So you need to be working at connecting the dots. All of these things, all of these meanings are connected. And the more you connect them, the more knowledge that you'll be able to put together. Pneumatic or spiritual nature that was the object of the Christian teaching, just as the aim of the Platonic discipline was to awaken the level of nous. The natural or sensual ideas that we derive from our ordinary experiences of life are not sufficient to awaken this third nature. No one is going to wake up in life by just walking around in A influences and being involved with A influences, going to the movies, watching television, going to parties, doing this, doing that, going to work, coming back, being married, blah, 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 blah. Something has to happen to jar you out of that level 
momentarily into another level. Well, we should probably stop because, well, let me tell you why. You should see your eyes. Uh, X's, little X's. No, some people look like, uh, what? And some people look like, I'm going to sleep now. And some people look like, okay, that's great. What does it all mean? What it all means is this. We are stuck in a sense-based mind, in a sense-based body, and in a sense world. We're stuck in it. We're imprisoned in it. And we need some dynamite something to blow us out of it just momentarily. Because if somebody throws a stick of dynamite at you and the concussion throws you up in the air, you could possibly reach another level of consciousness where you think, oh my God, my life is over. And I did so little with it. If I had it all to do over again, I would do this differently. That is one of those moments. That is a moment of momentary awakening when you realize that there is something more and that what you're doing is taking what you have for granted. So really, all of this, as intellectual as it may sound to you, is really just, and I'm sure it is intellectual, is really just lining out this whole idea. We are living time. That's what we're doing. We're living time. And what we're trying to do is while we're living time, we're trying to integrate our lives. We're trying to make our lives whole. Right now, our lives are very fragmented. We're trying to pull back from all of the stuff in time that's passing, constantly changing in time, and find something, some center of gravity in ourselves, or build some center in ourselves. And how you do that is you start off with some ideas, and those ideas collect other ideas. Have you ever noticed how these ideas collect other ideas? You could be reading the newspaper, and these ideas will collect other ideas out of the newspaper. You could be reading a book, and it has nothing whatever to do with this, but these ideas that you have inside of you, that you've heard now, that you've nourished now, will collect other ideas. They'll just find them in all kinds of places. And you begin to see and you begin to understand. And then as your knowledge increases, your level of being, and you apply it, your level of being increases. And the next thing you know, you're on a better path. And that's really what he's trying to say. And of course, he's a lot smarter than I am. So, or he was a lot smarter than I am. In fact, I'm sure he's still a lot smarter than I am. So he put it in ways that are difficult sometimes for people who are not as smart as he is, like me, to understand. So I have to read it over and over again. And like I said, the ideas have a way of collecting other ideas. And once you start to understand some of the ideas, then all the other ideas start to fall in line and connect up. And that is the order of the universe, or the cosmos, the cosmology of the universe, that it is an ordered, it is a created, ordered universe. And you are a part of it, and it is a part of you. And you can find out about it, and you can find out about you in it. And this is your job in life. That's what he wants to say. So there. Truth is everything.